0: Welcome back, Cracked fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. It is officially time to begin one of my favorite exercises we do here at CR, a tradition that began last season, but one we hope to carry into each and every college tennis season moving forward. That, of course, is an exercise we refer to as NCAA Press Row, where I attempt to speak with each of the remaining 16 men's and women's head coaches prior to the start of the NCAA Tournament round of 16 now each of these conversations you'll hear over the next few days will be relatively similar in format I want to talk to each of these coaches about their NCAA opening weekends what allowed them to advance to this NCAA sweet 16 Then I want to recap the season where things stand I want to talk about each team's best win of the year the match they perhaps would like to replay the most from the course of the season we'll talk about the team MVP the most improved players that have made the success possible for all of these teams this season then of course I got to pick the coaches brains about some big picture topics I want to talk about the super regional format going to the top eight seeds for this round of 16 versus the traditional all sweet 16 matches are played at one location format what do these coaches prefer still very early in the exercise of determining if the super regional is worthwhile but always fun to hear the coaches initial reactions and then of course we'll try to preview all of these sweet 16 matches I will try to coax as many match calculi as I I can from each of these coaches, what is their pathway to four points? How do they project their team's success moving forward throughout the NCAA tournament? We'll talk about all of that and so much more. Again, have a jam-packed week of content prepared for all of you listeners as we get all of you ready for the 2022 college tennis season's home stretch. Of course, you're going to be able to find each of these conversations both here on the Cracked Interviews podcast feed as well as on our website, CrackedRackets.com. Of course, you will also hear the same intro-outro on each of these podcasts. I do apologize for that fact. Just makes life a little bit easier, a little bit cleaner for both myself and super producer Daniel Westoff. But again, over the next five days, I will attempt to speak with each and every men's and women's head coach remaining in the 2022 Division I NCAA tournament. Of course, the reason we're able to do that here on the Cracked Interviews podcast is because of the support we get from all of you college tennis fans out there who have tuned in week in, week out. We are immensely grateful for that fact. Also, I have to give a huge shout out to our friends at Swing Vision, who of course are on the forefront of all artificial intelligence innovations happening within the tennis world. If you are a college tennis head coach listening to these podcasts, if you are a player, if you are someone with high-level tennis aspirations, download the Swing Vision app today. You'll have access to more data, more things to improve your tennis game than you ever had before, all within the palm of your hand in an app on your phone. So again, learn more about our friends at Swing Vision by clicking on the link in the description to this podcast. I promise all of you, it is the most efficient way to improve your game in the modern day. A huge thank you to our friends at Swing Vision. Use that promo code CRACK20 when you sign up. But again, appreciate all of their support for this show. With that said, again, press row coming up. Going to try and speak with each of the remaining 16 men's and women's head coaches before the start of the NCAA round of 16. With that in mind, let's get to this interview. Hey, crack fans. Joining us on the podcast once again today is a returning champion here on our Crack Racket Show, a man whose team has reached a second consecutive NCAA Sweet 16 with their 4-1 victory over Tennessee last weekend. Welcome back to the show, NC State women's tennis head coach, Simon Earnshaw. Coach, congratulations on the victory. How are you doing today?
1: Alex, great to be here, and um, I'm assuming you mean two because we got to the final four, right, last (laughs) year?
0: (laughs) <laughs> true, true. You know, we were going to work our way there, but I figured, you know, it's a second consecutive sweet 16. That's where you start, right?
1: Uh, yeah, if we if we um, count I guess it depends how we count 2020. I mean, what was that?
0: Yeah, you're right. That's So what, it's three consecutive then if you count 2019? Because I want to say 2018 was not, was not, right? That was a second round exit, if memory serves me correct. Actually,
1: we lost first round, Alex. Oh, and we were at UCLA. We lost 4-3 to Baylor uh, in the deciding match.
0: Yeah. Uh, see, uh, first of all, of course you remember that match. I'm sure you remember the points as well.
1: No, I, b- I blocked it out.
0: <laughs>
1: it's, gone. it's gone. Never happened.
0: That's yeah. good. Well, again, uh, obviously great to have the chance to speak with you today coming off of a 4-1 victory, a victory that saw your team drop the doubles point, one of the rare times this season you all have done that, but just respond with such fervor uh, in taking, again, the four, first four singles victories off the court and, again, looking at the performance from your team uh, in singles, the fact that, you know, again, straight set victories at the 5-6 and six singles position, a straight set victory at the number one spot as well, and then ultimately Nell Miller uh, with the clinch in three sets over Kutzer. Let's just start right away with that Tennessee match. Now, obviously, it came down to a breaker in that doubles point, but what did you see from your team this weekend in their response to that loss that ultimately allowed them to bounce back and earn the four singles victories?
1: Yeah, I think we we, we know all along that doubles is is something that we, we do well in, um, but... <laughs> Just the way the scoring format is, is you just you're never going to win 100% of the time. It's 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 not possible. There's there's so many little bits and pieces here or there that can uh, go into as an outcome of a match, and particularly doubles. Um, it's just not going to be there. I mean, unfortunately, it happened to be that match. Um, I think we knew coming in that Tennessee was not a team we necessarily wanted to see. Mm-hmm in our regional. Uh, they looked like they had some momentum coming off the sec tournament. Uh, it's also a team that we'd played earlier in the season. So anytime you see somebody for the second time, they're going to make some adjustments. And, um, you know, I think it, it also helped them that they had a pretty tough match against VCU in the, in the first round. Um, and, um, we actually, um, we actually got rain during during our match against William and Mary, and ended up coming indoors. Which, you know, as much as we sort of fixated that we had this good start to the season and we did well in Madison, we hadn't played on our indoors since we played South Carolina before Madison. So, you know, it it was look, it was tough. We had this weird, almost like Big Ten, Michigan spring 51 degree day with no sun and very very slow heavy conditions and um tennessee played well i mean allison uh you know despite having had a child she's she's on it Mm -hmm. and jared's doing a, a great job and they were ready for us i think they had a they had a good plan and uh you know, coming down the stretch in doubles, we, we lacked a little bit of composure. We had a 4-1 lead in the breaker, and uh, we, we missed a couple of uh, easier balls and got a little bit passive on the match point. They didn't, and there you go. We're in a hole. Um, started down a break on five courts in singles, which is not ideal. Um, but I, I don't think we're the type of team that really swamps anybody. And I know we've been having a hard time convincing you guys as well, but uh, yeah, I mean, I look, one thing we will do is we will roll our sleeves up and we'll work and uh, we're willing to get into a scrap if, if necessary. And it became that. Yeah. Really. Um, Yeah. Millie did a great job uh, getting a point on the board pretty quickly, but then it was just a dog fight and um, you know, stop, start, look like we're going to, you know, look like we, we're we going to make a run and then we don't and then we do. And um, look, I think we, we, we played a very, very uh, able and quality opponent there. Um, and I think that it was a very positive outcome that we were able to get through, particularly the way Jada managed to stay positive and close that. I mean, that tiebreak felt like it went on forever. <laughs> Yeah, it was a 22 point tie break mm-hmm. um Martina came up with a couple of very clutch shots at the time I don't I don't think a lot of people were cognizant of it at the time but uh Martina was actually up 5 40 love mm-hmm. serving in um, that second set right yes yeah so um the fact that uh, Jada got out of that and then uh, Martina didn't still go away i think there was a lot of lot of credit to her i mean she's a experienced player and uh, i i think she did herself proud there i think both girls really fought and did what they could for their teams in that moment and we yeah. were just you know
0: yeah no it, i mean it, it, again it was an outstanding match and you know, you talk about your your team playing close matches throughout the course of the season. I think I was looking through, and I want to say there were five shutout, maybe six, seven shutout victories for you all. But plenty more 5-2, 4-3 type matches. And, you know, again, looking through your team's record throughout the course of the season. And for listeners who don't know, you all are now 25-5 and five as we enter the round of 16-16. Three of those five losses were 4-3 matches. The f- one of them was a 4-1 loss against North Carolina. That if you were at that match, as I was at the National Indoors, that was also essentially a 4-3 loss for your team. And again, 4-2 in that final against Virginia, a match that could have gone either way. Playing that many close matches, burden or blessing for you as the head coach? And how's the heart rate feeling this year?
1: feels like a burden at the time. I mean, uh, I think one thing that's interesting this year is, is we've not played a match where we couldn't have won it late in the match and we weren't in position. That's not been the case. Even last year, we made a run to the final four, but there were matches, uh, a match or two that we weren't actually in position. So the Virginia match was a 4-2 match, but we we were up uh, 2-0 and we split sets in all five mm-hmm. coming down the stretch so um yeah it's it's been it's been a little frustrating i think some of that is just the league mm-hmm. we have four teams in the top 6 or 7 we have five in the top 9 um so unfortunately you don't quite get the plaudits that you might get otherwise if you're in a different conference for having the season you're having it's sort of like you know, talking to Abigail yesterday, she's like, oh, it just seems like it's not good enough, yeah. whereas we've just had a great season. And I like, said, I don't really understand how to sort of grapple with that mentally. Mm-hmm. But I said, look, I mean, I think that just means that expectations are really, really high. And, and there's been a change relative to last year or the year before in that, that we're not happy to be potentially having the best season in the history of the program. Mm-hmm anymore we want more and um you know i think it's been a a, a bit of an oxymoron as our season i think people felt we would go backwards having lost anna and adriana to graduation uh you guys were trying to sniff out something that uh, a lot of people thought would be a killer blow to us um before the season even started with alana's injury but yeah, go figure. Uh, it's been a surprise uh, in some ways and a good surprise at that, but it it's sort of like we didn't even miss a beat
0: somehow. Yeah. And to that point, I am curious again, 25 and five overall, four of your team's five losses came in the month of April. And again, with context being key, four-three losses against Duke in North Carolina at home, a four-three loss at Virginia, a four-two loss against Virginia in the Big uh, Big Twelve, excuse me, ACC uh, championship semifinals. That, of course, is a match that could have been four-three, and it could have been a four-three victory for you all. That said, again, not to keep harping on this burden or blessing thing, but we said this on the show. I want you know if I'm going to say something about a team on the show, I feel like I should have the courage to say to the head coach as well, dude, those four losses, I mean, do they help you? Like, a- as the head coach, is it because again, you guys had one loss to that point of the season. You're what nineteen and one entering the month of April. Something crazy like that. Does the loss help reinforce the messages down the season's home stretch? What do you make of your team's month of April?
1: You know, in some ways, you could say it was coming a little bit. I mean, we were we were sort of. <clears throat> I wouldn't say we were staggering along. We were. We weren't playing our best tennis in March. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I mean, and there's, there's a few things go into that. I mean, the, the season's long mm-hmm. and there's a cadence to it that that, that can stagger you at times. But um, look, I mean, we really, I mean, I think if you ask Jamie, you'd probably say we really should have won against Duke. I mean, mm-hmm. there was something occurred in that match that I can never unsee. But mm-hmm. um, I mean, then you play enough matches, you see everything. I felt the UNC match was fantastic. I mean, we had a huge crowd here. I thought it was a number one versus number two at the time, which was only the second time that's even happened on our campus in any sport. I thought it was a great advertisement. It was a great match. It was played in with a great spirit. And um, yeah, I mean, it came right down to it. In some ways, that weekend where we lost both matches 4-3, uh, it didn't feel like we lost. It almost felt like, yeah, we did beat Duke last year, but it sort of felt like we're actually here now. And we've arrived in this situation. Virginia was tough. I, I think we are a little bit tired in that match. Um, again, I thought we played a good match against uh, Virginia at the conference tournament. We've we've not been great in the ACC tournament. We are actually uh, perform at a way higher level in the NCAA tournament. Um you know we kind of laugh about it you know you hear pair laugh that he can't coach doubles or at least you convinced him that he <laughs> should just skip the doubles uh maybe we should just start skipping the hcc tournament we might might be a might be a better thing for us to <laughs> think about doing that but the losses i don't believe that not losing is a burden i i certainly at armstrong we had several undefeated seasons and uh if you're going to be ranked highly and especially if you're going to be ranked number one, which we haven't gotten to yet. That's an advantage. That's not a disadvantage.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, Depending on how you spin it and how you use it, uh, it should be an advantage.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, again, looking at your team, certainly they will feel battle-tested entering this NCAA tournament. And with that in mind, I kind of want to go through, again, the course of this season, help prepare everyone to watch your team compete this weekend. Let's talk about some of the players. Let's just start here. And I don't know if you guys have had your year-end banquet. I know a lot of teams do that, some before the tournament, some after. Who was the team MVP for NC State this year?
1: So our um, Wolf is, okay. which is the year-end uh, awards, mm-hmm. is actually based on last spring and uh, fall and winter. It's Yeah. Like, you're right. You're like, you know, like, okay, I, do I give it to somebody who's not here? Yeah. Um. I would I, I, now I'm not going to say who we get we, we have a formula where we give the MVP to the person who's taken the most points sure and had the most wins makes it nice and objective and I can't get in trouble with the players <laughs> Um. but I would say the MVP for us has really been the doubles mm-hmm. as a whole Um. we lost with a lot of being out we lost three doubles all Americans from last year's team and and I, we've had our best year in doubles.
0: 16-11 overall, by the way, for people who are wondering. You guys have lost 11 individual sets, just three doubles points this season. That's ridiculous.
1: Yeah, yeah I think with our schedule and with the quality of our opposition, uh, I, I we've had a level of consistency this year that we've not managed quite in previous years. Um, you know, even, even Alana and Anna struggled at times last year, particularly in the early going they weren't quite as sharp uh i mean jada jada stepped up as our only uh returning doubles all american and i mean nell's been mean just awesome in doubles i mean she i mean i know you enjoyed her at the indoors she's had her struggles in singles which i think coming around now but in doubles she's just you know a very joyful expansive player um and, um, I, you know, I think one of the keys is 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 doing well at free doubles. And I think that's really been the anchor of the lineup right there. Whether we played Prisca with Sara or we played Prisca with Sophie, just kind of seem to be the same. And they've been very, very steady. And, um, yeah, so our, our doubles point, and I don't want to overstate it because... There is an element of fortune in doubles, but uh, for us to win at that clip, I think we're definitely playing our odds quite well for the most part because it's really just a numbers game.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, I made the whole argument early in the season about the most valuable points on the board, and I had you guys, you know, NC State doubles as one of my top five most valuable points, and the crux of my argument, and looking at your results again, with the success you guys have had in doubles, it's just impossible to blow you all out. Like, you're not going to beat NC State 4-0 or 4-1. That's just not going to happen because, A, you guys are up 1-0 in 90% of your matches. And then, B, you know, looking at the depth that you all have, whether it's, you know, again, obviously been pretty strong up top as well. But you look at that core of the lineup, 21-7 and at 2, 19-7 at 3, 19-7 at 4, 21-6 at 5. I imagine... You know, again, being able to find different pathways to four, and it does feel like all of these teams in the Sweet Sixteen have that trait to them. But you know, I know you are a numbers guy. I know you are a guy who likes to crunch the match calculus before each and every match. How difficult has that been for you this season?
1: Well, the doubles has been there. Yeah, sure. Um, the tough part was is. There were different types of the season when it, when it changed. Yeah. I don't know whether that was indoors and outdoors. I, I, don't, I don't think that was, but we've definitely had different calculus, as you guys like to call it. Um, I think the thing is, is, is what happens if it all occurs on the same day with us?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't actually think that's happened yet. We played a really good match in the kickoff against Wake Forest. where We were just flying. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe one against South Carolina, right around in that, in that area, but... It's definitely been variable, which is a little bit frustrating. And sometimes that's a factor of the opposition because our non-conference was, was pretty rugged. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the main thing is, is, is if, if we, if we get out there and we've got the doubles really rolling and and that actually does give us momentum into singles for once, which kind of doesn't, it's very confusing, but, um, yeah I mean we we can we can we can win and hold our own at almost any position throughout the lineup. Um, hopefully it doesn't depend on the day. I mean, hopefully you know now with school being over, I think there's a lot of distractions out of the way. I feel like we're going to play well. Mm-hmm. I really do. I mean I, I think it's coming around. I think it did last year and um yeah i think I think once you get to the round of 16, there's a level of freeness as well. Sure. That that comes with that. You you, you feel like okay. We the, the second round is really tough. Yeah. That's that's an awkward match, and it, I don't. I wouldn't say there's a sense of relief, but there's definitely. It's like making the indoors, right? I mean, you qualify yeah, sure, sure. for that same level, and then okay, we, we we've got here, and now we can uh, take a bit of time, enjoy this, and uh, you know, and I expect Cal. And all the other teams in the round of 16 are going to play potentially their best match of the season, I would hope, at this point.
0: Yeah, I mean, or maybe not. You're like, you know, Cal, if you want to give us, like, your worst match of the season, we'll take it, I'm sure. but It's just yeah. not going to happen. Exactly. No, no I co- way. I, exactly. No. I completely agree with you. And, you know, again, all of these teams have improved throughout the course of the year. And with that in mind, who's the most improved player from start to finish this season for you all?
1: Oof. That's a really tough question.
0: There's a I lot mean, of just, good choices.
1: Just looking at the numbers, I'd say Millie. Okay. Um, and of
0: really course, you're referring to Nell Miller, just for those who are, aren't are familiar.
1: Actually, no. No. So I got you on that one. You Amelia did, Regecki, Oh, Millie You're Regecki. right. Amelia.
0: Sure. Okay.
1: Yes. So Millie, um, I think Millie was right there in the early going. She had a couple sure. of really tough losses at the indoors. Mm hmm um served for the match against uh Yalgada. yep and was she down was she down 50 in the third against kowalski and got back to five four I, I thought
0: it was, i was gonna say i think it was 4-0 because i, I don't remember it being 50 yeah.
1: yeah but i mean had a and just couldn't get over the top there Man. and uh you know i think she's she's been one that because of the expanded roster she didn't get opportunities last year in singles she played for us in doubles and not in singles so Taken her a little bit of time just to kind of get comfortable, but um, she was coming on strong. I mean, look, she physically is probably got the best motor of any of our players, mm-hmm. and um, I thought she played extremely well against Tennessee in the regional. And um, you know, I, I think we we always felt like she had a very bright future and was going to be a big factor, and uh, I think it's starting to prove so. So, I think she's, I don't think, I, I wouldn't necessarily say her. Game has improved, but her ability to perform and feel comfortable in order to do that is and and she played well in the doubles as well against Tennessee. I mean, I know we didn't win that one, but yeah, she's been she's been uh, quietly uh, sort of making some gains. Mm-hmm.
0: Can I make my MVP and most improved player case to you for your sure. roster? Sure. I would go with Prisca because yeah. again, you look for twenty-four and two at the number three double spot with Sarah and Sophie and, you know, again, 20 and six overall in singles, but seven and one in her last 10, 17 and six at the number three single spot as a freshman. There's a comfort level with her now watching her at the end of the season versus what I saw at the national indoors. And, you know, again, I know, first of all, that national indoors, the entire national indoors was just a a delightful experience just to watch your team compete. And obviously you guys earn, pretty impressive victories there, 4-2 over Auburn, 4-2 over Georgia, two teams still alive now in the NCAA tournament, and even though Prisca had success, you know, at the national indoors, the word routine comes to mind. She just makes it all look so routine now, and, you know, maybe she was that good walking into the door, obviously she was one of the top-ranked juniors in the world, but her ability to master the speed and the energy level of this college tennis game throughout the course of the year... Like, to me, again, you talk about losing three All-Americans off of last year's roster and not having Alana. That Prisca was able to get up to speed and be this good this quickly, that's just that extra piece of depth where it's like, okay, we aren't missing a beat.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, everybody loves Prisca. Yeah. <laughs> she's, she's such an infectious, positive kid, and she plays with – A level of joy. I mean, uh, practice matches. I mean, she's just a cool person to be around. Um, And and yeah, I mean, she had a lot of information to take up and she's got a really big appetite. So it takes a bit of time to digest everything. Uh, I mean, like with any freshmen, you can be inconsistent at times. Maybe even saw it at the indoors. I mean, she lost to Tran yeah, um, in the semifinals. And then when we played um, UNC in the regular season, she beat Tran in a, in a real bomb burner of a match in front of a big crowd. So uh, there's definitely been improvement with Prisker. And I think the interesting thing with her is there's a lot that she can do better. Mm-hmm. And she's excited about that. And there's uh, no problem putting the time in. I mean she'll be here knocking on the door and wanting to know information i think in some time in some ways it's about trying to give her a little bit of a diet in that regard so it doesn't overwhelm her uh too quickly um but i i figured you would uh you would make that argument yeah yeah sure. i i am
0: <laughs> curious again as you look at this uh, yeah. I mean, it was inevitable, right? I, I had yeah, to plug the Prisca drip. Yes. Yeah, you knew it was coming. Look, I am a one-trick pony. Um, but, you know, with that in mind, I am curious because you bring in someone like Prisca, who ob- obviously has all of this experience, all of this success, maybe not at the collegiate level, but in her results in general. And then, you know, looking at this team, you know, yes, there are new pieces. But some of the nucleus, some of the core was part of that group that reached the NCAA semifinals last season. So I am curious, you know, because obviously you had a long, successful tenure at Armstrong, and I'm sure the way you coached each of those Armstrong teams was different throughout the course of your tenure. If it was a team that hadn't won a national championship the year before, maybe you ride them a little bit harder. If it's a team that knows what it takes in those stages, maybe you were able to, you know, take your hands off the wheels a little bit throughout the course of the season. How difficult? What were the differences in perhaps how you coach this team to maybe last year's team? Where, you know, last year, again, it's all the, you mentioned at the start, it's all these new experiences. This year's team is a little bit more calloused at the start of the year. I'm curious if that made you change your approach at all throughout it.
1: I think it's actually uh, the opposite of what you would think. I think when you come off a good year, you've got to ride them harder. OK, they, they, they had a very positive conclusion and experience, despite us losing to Texas. It still was for, for some of them potentially the best experience of their at least their collegiate career, if not their tennis career. Sure. So you're worried that they're going to be complacent. I used to find after, after the year after we won a national championship, people did things differently and they took, uh, you know, they, they took liberties with with what actually was successful for them. You know, if they come off what is, you know, if you look at us, we, we did lose that match in 2018 to Baylor, and that was really a catalyst, particularly for Anna Rogers, to completely turn around um, everything that she'd been and the player that she became and uh, is now. You know, Anna's out there playing. Um, it came from that experience and that season. I mean, I, I think, you know, it depends on how people take things and, and, and what, motivates them uh, my biggest concern is that 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 we stay grounded and that we keep doing what we've done to get to that point and in some ways this year we had to to compensate we had to try and um i wouldn't say we had to try and do more but we had to be better than we were last year because our margins and our experience were way lower um we, we're look i We're quite a young team. I don't know why people don't realise this. We have (laughs) four teenagers in our lineup, yeah, and um, which makes sense because we lose so much from the year before. (laughs) Something's got to give. But no, we've we've had to push them hard, and we've we've really had to work them. And um, I mean, I hope that's not one reason why we were kind of fatigued in March and April as well. you now, maybe the maybe our non-conference was a little too much, a little too crazy. I mean, especially playing the indoors and then going to Texas the week after was yep. a little that was nuts, a little wild. Yeah. <laughs> the good thing, though, was there was a snowstorm in Kansas because we were supposed <laughs> to play at Kansas two days before that. And uh, everything got canceled. Mm-hmm. Now, Todd Chapman's going to be annoyed if he hears that. But uh um, <laughs> sometimes you need, you need something to give you a bit of time. And uh, I'm not sure, you know, we, we left Wisconsin and managed to get the last flight out of um, Chicago that evening. And I think some teams probably didn't leave until the middle of the day on the Monday, if that had happened to us as well, we might've been up against it that next week. But uh, yeah, I mean, we, it, it's been, it's, it's been different this year we've had to we've had to teach things that the year before we had fifth year players that they just knew it Mm -hmm. and um you know we have to you have to adapt and uh sort of change how you communicate with them i think half of them I mean, like you right now, you you hear me say free words and you're not listening anymore. So, of
0: course, I'm The problem is, I'm looking up all my stats. And so I'm like, okay, where am I going with this? I'm like, okay, where am I going to get them next? But to your point, I mean, again, it's interesting to hear you about some of the breaks and some of the fresh blood and just the things you need to keep your team fresh. Because when I look at, you know, again, the stats of some of your newcomers here, and this was the question I wanted to set up. How was the injection of Sophie, of Nell, of Sarah, who all have – because you talk about the youth of your team. Again, Sophie's what? I want to say a sophomore coming over from Memphis. Yeah, and and
1: Sophie also was enrolled at Memphis in what would have been her senior year in high school.
0: Yeah, and so even – exactly. So even younger, and again, you look at what Sophie was able to do this year, 20-6 and overall, and I know she struggled a bit down the season's home stretch, 4-4 and in her last 10, but still – her ability it felt like especially early in the season, maybe it was the excitement, the freshness of being, hey, I've never been on a nineteen and one team before. That's top five in the country. This is really fun. Similarly for Nell, I mean, how many times Tennessee being the prime example where, you know, it comes down to Nell's court or, you know, it's all it's all on Nell. We're all watching her perform. And, you know, obviously I don't want to leave Sarah short either because I know Sarah's while well, she may not has have, have contributed the same way to the extent of those two obviously when she's been called upon particularly in doubles she's always ready to deliver the goods did the infusion of new blood help and I'm curious again not the first time you've gone to the transfer portal but did you did it reinforce perhaps some positive connotations in your mind about doing that
1: yeah, the transfer portal has yeah, it's we could talk about that forever and <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But, Hold on, I'll
0: sit back there. There, all distractions removed. Right, let, let me just
1: go and press refresh on it right now. <laughs> um, yeah. Um look, Sophie Sophie's been, been really great. I think mean, she it was pretty clear early on when she was gonna move that she was very interested in being here and um I, th- I think she was under no illusion what she was getting herself into. Um, you know the late the late season stuff. Um, I think when they're winning a lot, yeah, um, they expect certain things to happen, and uh, you know they, they they don't really know what's going to happen, and it, it can be really confusing. Like, yes, okay, yes. I've, I've won all these matches. For example, why am I not moving up in the lineup? Is sure. that well, everybody else is <laughs> winning <laughs> matches. Um, I will say, look, you know, one thing I was really impressed with is Sophie had her, you know, what would for any of us that play tennis would have been a killer loss against Duke. Yes. And she bounced back two days later and, and beat UNC. I think that showed a lot of character. I think she's discovering a lot of things about herself and uh, are different to the way that she potentially would have imagined it would be. Yes. And I think that that, that she's sown growth. Uh, Nell, <laughs> the thing with Nell is if we can just convince her to win the first set in singles, maybe we don't have these <laughs> issues.
0: I love watching now matches, though, because there is a creativity to like, you're right. It, it always seems to end up at the same point, which is like three all in the third set. But yep. the pathway to getting there every match is always so fascinating. Maybe not from your perspective, but certainly from us watching from afar. It's
1: statistically not possible think, <laughs> to split sets that many times. I, I mean, know. come on. Like, why do we keep doing this? And uh, I felt against Tennessee, she was almost conducting the crowd at one point, or she just <laughs> likes to bring in that just thrill all the drama.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you know, maybe she thrives on that, and uh, if she doesn't make it difficult for herself, then that wouldn't be uh, compelling in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, look, she's, she's, she's had her, her, I mean, she had her struggles, but I mean, you know, to her credit, she's she's working at it. And uh, the hardest thing is to convince them that you don't see quick results and quick rewards. And it takes a while. I mean, it's like turning a ship around. It takes a while for it to turn. You can't just pivot. And uh, it it was getting that way for a while before it actually occurred or you were seeing the outcomes uh, change against you. So um, you know, and some of it, some of it is, is just being used to just the intensity of chasing all the time and all people chasing you. And I know everybody who plays is going to give us the best shot. I'm sure that the other top teams get that as well. It's not like they come and don't try. They've got nothing to lose. So it's a different mentality. and uh, you know the 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 three of them have have adapted well, and I think it's been different for them, and hopefully, they would they would say that, that they've benefited.
0: Yeah. I I do want to ask one more about an individual on your team, and that's of course Jada, who has moved up to the number one single spot. She's sixteen and ten overall in the year, you know, winning about sixty percent of her matches. And again, I think if you ask most coaches, hey, you're gonna win sixty percent of your matches at number one. You know, number one is not where you make your, bre- your bread. That's not where you make your bank if you're any coach. And so, obviously, I think objectively, that's been a good year for Jada and her and Nell, 20 and 3 uh, in doubles overall this season as well. I don't want to say what's clicked for Jada this year because obviously she was excellent uh, last year. She's been excellent throughout her college tennis career. But in what, you know, talk to, because I'm, I'm pretty sure, and correct me if I'm wrong here, does Nell still have one more?
1: still has another year. Yeah.
0: And I imagine Alana is going to apply for a medical redshirt. I suppose it's up to her, but she has Alana, one more. Well,
1: Alana will be back next year. This I, is what I, she'll, be, she'll be ready to go in August and September.
0: This is what I like to hear. We're locking it in now. So all this point being, everyone else on the team is coming back. So you talk about having a young team. And by the way, we're not going to overlook you next year's preseason rankings.
1: We have Gina di- We have Gina Dittman coming across from Northern Arizona also. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, you'll take all the point being, I promise, next year, yeah. preseason top 10. You can lock that in right now, maybe even top five.
1: No, but, I'm sure we'll move down.
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll get. We'll have you at 22. <laughs> Let's, uh, keep just, the
1: tradition. Let's keep the tradition going.
0: Yeah, just behind Tennessee. Uh, but yeah. no, with, you know, again, with Jada, because she is the one, this is her last run, this is her yeah. last go around. And it's just. She has embraced that number one spot in my opinion. Again, these, some of these things are uh, they're not measurable they're uh, you know not quantifiable. but it does feel like she has captured that leadership role this team uh, this year and you know there was a bit of a vacuum on court right because you do lose three all Americans and Alana's not there. Am I on to something there with that assessment? It does feel like Jada has stepped up and, you know, not only playing in the number one spot, but that symbolically she has embraced and thrived in that number one senior leader role.
1: I think we're thinking the same. I was going to use the <laughs> word symbolic as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that the match against Martina was symbolic. Yes. that She's come full circle, not just in her time here at NC State, but from where she started at uh, Auburn, you know, Jada beat uh, Summer Eber in her first match in college mm-hmm. when she started at Auburn. And, uh, you know, it, it, sometimes that long and winding road doesn't go in a straight line, <laughs> does it? Sure. Um, but for her to have waited her time here through the pandemic and then last year she played a, you know, I mean, she was a soldier for us in the trenches playing number four and was a very, very difficult out. In fact, I think the only person that really got it was Shavatapon in there, and Shavatapon was playing lights out for Texas at the end last year. Hopefully she doesn't, but she'll probably be motivated from that this year. But, um, no, Jada um, has bided her time. She's never complained about positioning lineup. She's always understood that there were bigger, longer-term goals, and... uh, All of a sudden, she was presented with that opportunity, uh, you know, symbolically in her senior year. And um, I think what, look, I think a lot of people are a little bit maybe even underwhelmed by her record. Mm -hmm. But I think the key there is, is if you go and look and see how many ranked opponents she's played, and then you look a bit further as to what was the average ranking of those opponents, she has played an insane schedule this year where it's just been top. 10, top 20, top 30 player, one after another, after another. And, um, you know, one thing we've explained to her is, is if you're on, the, if you're on the main tour and you're 50 in the world, you might not be 500. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and I think people have been a bit confused why her ranking has been as high as it is looking at her record. Well, it, it's just been the sheer volume of top players she's played against. And, uh, I think she's managed that well. I think she's been able to stay pretty even keeled. And I mean, look, Jada was in graduate school. She was taking an overload in graduate school, which which our people did not recommend. And her being able to handle the volume of work that was thrown at her, as well as she's very, very active with within our stack. She's very active within Pack United. And all those things contributed to her winning the uh, female student athlete of the year award at NC state this year. So she's got a lot going on, which doesn't always necessarily help her <laughs> be the best at, at, at at any one thing. But I think once uh, she moves on, which is going to come up in yeah. two or three weeks and she can focus on that one thing, I think it's, it's going to really be interesting to see what she does, but yeah, uh, Yeah. I mean, we really needed her this year and she's risen to the task and been able to shield the younger players from, from what's going to come next for them. Yeah.
0: No. And to your point, she's played 40 total matches, including the fall this season, 20 of them have been against top 50 opponents. So there is no rest. There is no break for Jada Daniel this season. And yeah, to your point again, I mean, first of all, 16 and 10, you'll take it at the number one spot. It's not as though she's not providing points, but I do agree. It's just, again, her presence at the top of the lineup, you can feel its impact on everyone else. I am going to use this opportunity to sneak in a tangent. You talk about Jada, uh, and obviously I think she is going to, it sounds like, pursue some pro tennis a bit as well. I'm sure there are other players on your roster with similar aspirations, Are you going to coach – do you coach Jada a bit differently now with that in mind? Are you going to leave Jada – you know, because obviously your job is to win matches for NC State each and every match, each and every year, regardless of the players you have out there on court for yourself. That said, are you – you know – as jada tries to prepare herself for the pros or say you know prisca down the road as well do you take your hands off the reins a bit and do you say okay this like if you want to be ready for pro tennis you better be ready to coach yourself is that something you know you're consciously doing for these players as they go through their college experience
1: I mean, they are going to move into a situation where they don't have the support and resources around them. At least, yeah. not unless you get
0: to where Daniel Collins is, sure, yeah, Fair. Right. Or G uh, Brady, Jennifer yeah. also can probably afford a coach.
1: Yeah, they can. They can uh, kind of pick and choose at that point. <laughs> Oftentimes, they choose to change. Yeah. <laughs> Often. Um. No, I, I think the, the biggest thing for us is is we've got to we've got to be able to give them a game that scales. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think you see, you see a lot of high-level college players that are very, very good in certain areas, but they're they're, they're, missing, they're missing a level of conduit where they can hit the ball at the level of the girls and ladies at the top of the tour. But maybe there's a movement piece or maybe it's the serve that's, that's not changed during their time in college. So I think it's important for us, you know, and sometimes that might not actually give them the number of wins in college that they could have gone if we'd have just tried to win completely Mm -hmm. rather than try to evolve their game. But it's, it's really a big picture long-term thing that hopefully if you do it the right way, eventually leads to the, to desirable outcomes. Mm -hmm. And I, and I get what you're saying as a college coach, it's, it's, it's difficult because we want to win and we're, we're essentially, we're paid to win. Our careers are based on winning, I always keep thinking, you know, now we're doing what we're doing here. If I only just make the tournament or I'm not in the second round, am I in trouble? Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know, which is totally ironic that that um, we we might have made the tournament more times in a row now than we'd made it in 40 odd years previously. So it's, it's, it's a juggling act, isn't it? I mean, and, and hopefully um, if you can pace it the right way and you can kind of uh, refresh your team from within rather than having to constantly re- recruit your way out of trouble, um, it it should work. But there's no one thing you can put your finger on that tells you that this works or sure. that... Like I've been shocked how well Adriano and Anna have done quite frankly because there's just no knowing i yeah. mean you can't know what's going to happen and um, i mean you can just try and do what you can do and try and do it the right way and hopefully that you know they take something from that you know we we can we can watch anna play doubles in south africa and be annoyed at what's going on like, what are you thinking and somebody told me this so i chase and i'm like oh like, why? <laughs> five years. Just Let's get back to this. And then they beat Bectus and more, maybe yeah. uh, two weeks later, which is a nice, nice win for them at the start there. Um, so, no, I think that the, the biggest thing is for them to be strong in their conviction, make sure that they're not complacent make sure they don't take things for granted and understand that things do change and you've just got to keep trying to navigate your way mm-hmm. and um, just give yourself a chance.
0: I was waiting for you to sneak in that win over Bectus and just a dig at my Wolverine roots. I knew it was coming. Don't worry. I was ready for that one. Um, with, the, I mean, and by the way, I guess let's do this quickly. How about Anna? Like, I know we talked about this last time. Oh my God, has she been excellent?
1: Yeah, sure. It's, um, it's pretty cool. Um, I think the big thing now is is you get up into a certain certain level or a certain ranking, you've got to make that next transition. Mm-hmm. And it can be a bit of a close shop at the top where there's a certain number of players who are ranked top 50 or top 60, and they just play with each other and lock everybody out.
0: Exactly. So
1: this is going to be the, the most difficult transition now. Um, but she's, she's going to be able to play higher level events and, and she might not win as much but you don't have to yeah so um yeah let's see i mean it's it's fun yeah i mean i you know it gives me something else to follow <laughs> rather than being obsessive over my own team it's good uh, all the time and i think it's a nice sideline uh, for us to have that and show that that you know if you can come a long way in college and maybe some doors will open for you that you never would have expected
0: mm-hmm. no completely agree with you there well with that in mind to final questions about your team. Best win for you all this season? Texas. No doubt?
1: 100%. Yeah,
0: makes sense. We wanted,
1: we wanted that one after the Final Four.
0: Yeah, I bet. the problem is, did you use that bullet too soon? Should you have saved it for the NCAA tournament and been like, you know, let's just save it for the final?
1: Uh, Well, I think we might have shot ourselves in the foot a couple of times with that <laughs> bullet as well. So. <laughs>
0: Fair. How about this? Match you'd like to replay the most from the season? Duke. No doubt.
1: One point, one shot.
0: Yeah, literally the yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. checks out. No, I, I would agree with you there. All right, super regional or the massive Sweet Sixteen? Uh, the Sweet is
1: not even close. Really? Not even close. Uh, the girls and somebody was talking to me earlier today. Um, actually, it was it was a recruit that we have coming. I can't say because it's not sure. signed yet. But she was saying, "Oh, you have it in rally." She was like. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to Illinois. And I'm like, yeah, it's confusing.
0: Yeah, sure.
1: It's a little bit strange. It's like, well, why didn't you do that last year? And then you're trying to talk about, well, they didn't want to travel across the country. and, do that. Yeah. and It's like, yeah, it doesn't really make any sense. I don't get it. Yeah. I think I think the round of 16 is quite possibly the best day in college tennis.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, if rain. yeah, that's what I was going to say, A. B, the problem is, so, and this is the hypothetical that's been posed to me, and I'm sure you've heard this counter argument before, <laughs> There are 26 people at a 9 a.m. match or a 9 p.m. match. The 24 sets of parents for all the kids playing, then me and maybe one other media member, depending on who's there at the time. You have to be the hardcore fans to attend those matches versus, again, you get to reward the Raleigh community who's been coming out to your matches all year long. And now they get... I know some students may be gone now, but they have the chance to watch you all compete one more time. There's also the idea let's say Jada goes on a run or one of your doubles teams goes on a run. You're not going to be in Champaign for three weeks. Now you'll be there for 10 days or whatever it may be. I mean, again, it's year two. I know you're a data driven guy. We don't have enough data yet to make a firm assessment, but does any of that resonate with you? And yeah,
1: we played at Duke in, in 2019, it was a big crowd there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I I'll give you that. I mean, hopefully we can draw this weekend. Um, we definitely have done uh, later in the season, and hopefully, we can actually give them a win. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we, we struggled with that one. Yeah. Um, there's pros and cons. I, it, it just, it, and yeah, I mean, a 9 a.m. match is not really ideal or optimal in any way, is it? Uh, or even the one at the end of the day. Um, I'm not sure how we deal with that unless we somehow come up with some sort of mashup where the men and women split the matches and play it. Uh, Some of them one day and some of the men the other day. There's a way that we can mix it up better. Um, I definitely think we were filling our pass list. Uh-huh. that's that's for sure in Orlando I, I don't think that that was a problem but no I mean maybe we need continuity in it and it at the same place and at the same time every year and we can build uh, not just uh, a following from uh, each of the teams but a local uh, community following where um, where that can that part can be better and you know with that in mind the super regionals do do that because it's in your community.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And, um, I guess the trick is, is, is trying to do it with some your regularity, but how hard is it to get in position to host a super regional? Yeah, That's Really hard. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, you, you've got to do fantastic right off the bat, probably win two matches at the national indoors, and then just keep going hard the whole season. Um, so let, let's see how it goes this weekend. Let's yeah. see if we can uh, market this thing and get a. The, the problem we have is there's three of them in our city.
0: I know. <laughs> the research triangle is now the college tennis triangle. Let's be clear.
1: It's kind of crazy, right? I, yeah. had, a, I had a call with, with the News and Observer this morning about just that. Like, what, How have we got three teams up there doing this at the moment? And the same last year.
0: And with that in mind, again, I know I've taken up more of your time than I promised, but little birdie tells me you, Brian, Jamie come together. The national uh, ITA All-Americans, excuse me, are now going to be held at the Cary Tennis Park moving forward. Talk to me about the impetus for that. What led to that decision?
1: I I think it's a natural place um, for the event. I mean, such an amazing community facility. A lot of people don't realize it's a public facility. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We have a really active um, tennis section here. I wanna say Wake County, which is the county that rallies in Durham, Durham County and Chapel Hill. Um, There's a tremendous uh, interest in tennis and tennis has increased in uh, popularity or at least participation during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So why not? We've not had the ACC's there yeah. And we've got that interest and level in women's college tennis in our area. So if we can if we can collaborate together and finally I I know we had an East Coast national event last year on clay uh, and really struggled with weather. But a big advantage that we have here is if it rains, we've all three got indoor courts and Kerry has them as well. So within 20, 30 minutes we can just keep playing. Yeah, And it's an easy place to get to. Mm-hmm. I think moving around here is easy. It's next not- to the
0: airport, right? It's like a 10 yeah. minute drive.
1: Really close. Um, is that they're actually going to build an- another facility of 55 courts near the airport. Really? It's coming up. It's going to have some of those other uh, ball games as well. Uh, the, you know, the rhymes with
0: we- trickle ball.
1: Yeah. yeah. The ones we shall not speak about. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, ask Mike Manasse about those. <laughs> he's, trying, he's trying hard. Yeah. Um, but no, I, it's 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 a natural thing. And I, I'm glad that we could all work together on this. And um, we actually host a really great event the weekend before it. So we're going to have three weekends in a row uh, of fantastic women's college tennis in a, in our area. And I mean, that's, that's awesome.
0: Yeah, no, I, I'm really looking forward to it. Word on the street is whichever team finishes highest in the ACC that team pays the bill for the year. That's that's just the other thing I heard, but maybe All right, we-
1: well, I, let me let me um yeah. Okay, so maybe if we can win the event, but by- um, will go on the algorithm and Brian team finishes <laughs> higher. So, exactly.
0: Yeah. Just throw the right match throughout the course of the season so you finish just one spot lower than them in those final rankings. No, I mean, again, uh, having played at the Cary Tennis Park and, you know, it hosted Club Tennis National Championships back-to-back years and it's hosted a plethora of events. It's a gorgeous area, gorgeous facility. And, yeah, I really, again, you have the three teams. You have the various locations. Logistically, it makes sense. So I think that. That's something that college tennis fans are gonna be very excited about. All right, with that in mind, I wanna talk let's talk Georgia match. Twenty nineteen, they get you guys. Twenty twenty, you get them at the national indoors. Last year, you knock them out of the NCAA tournament. This year, you get them at the national indoors again. There's a nice little quiet rivalry forming between you, Jeff Wallace, NC State, Georgia. What's it gonna take for you guys to advance past them this weekend?
1: Well, I think you're hoping that uh, they beat Duke, right?
0: Oh, is it not Georgia? Am I blanking here? No, Did we're I screw that up? Out. Oh, we're no. It's, out. Yes. Yeah, that's what it is. I'm, I'm messing that up. Good call. You're right. I'll match think, ahead here. I actually
1: think there's been a rivalry between Duke and Georgia. Yeah. So that's, it, that's, that's a good match.
0: Very true. By the way, leave all of that in Super Producer Daniel West. If I'd like to be clear, this is like... You know, it's it's 1230. This is interview number six of the day. So, you know, uh, yeah, I'm cranking here. But leave that in Cal. Fascinating team. We're going to change that up. They're an up and down team. And I again, that's a team that's beaten Pepperdine multiple times this year. At the same time, you're never quite sure what you're going to get from that young Cal team. I'm sure you see shades of to reference that the 2019 team and your early NC State teams that were hungry and certainly had the talent. They got to come to Raleigh. What's it going to take this year?
1: Yeah, I mean this is a really cool
0: matchup. I mean, yeah, it's um, maybe my favorite.
1: You We've know, been very East Coast centric as our postseason schedule in the indoors and the uh, in NCAAs uh, since 2018, mm-hmm. and so it's a new matchup. Um, you know, Pear called me yesterday. He's trying to get information on Miami. Of course, it's, it's unknown to him. And um, he said, "Listen, he said, don't ask me about Cal because one thing I can tell you is we play him twenty-eight times and we'll lose to him twenty-eight times. Yeah, and it'll be different every time. So said, <laughs> That's great. That's good trade right there. Uh, per. Yeah. I appreciate it, right? <laughs> um, but uh, no, we've seen some of their players and." Um, yeah, I think it, it, it's nice when you get a refreshing uh, uh, change and one that we didn't see at the indoors. Um, I think it's going to be a good match. And I and I, I, and I know um, Amanda's obviously got a very, very talented team. I mean, you know, maybe maybe they've not been that up, up and down. Maybe they've just played a lot of good teams and, you know, on the day they couldn't get it through. Um, I think it's going to be really tough. I've, uh, I mean, I'm sure there's other ones we would rather have uh in in many ways um i think they're on the way right now so they're going to be here for a couple of days and they'll, they'll get used to the conditions here and uh yeah i mean let's see what happens um i i don't have any real thoughts about it other than that it's exciting and uh i think the girls probably feel the same way as well i mean uh, it's new and uh it's different and that's cool
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm really happy. Again, we're going to get some very fun matchups. I believe Weirsholm's up to the number three spot for them. A Weirsholm-Negroho matchup at number three, or even if it is Rosenquist at number three. Again, that number three singles matchup going to be very fun. And I mean, yeah, again, this is a Cal team that they're not going anywhere anytime either. It feels like both your team, Cal, we're going to be seeing much of over these next few seasons, and so... Yeah, this feels like a nice little sneak peek. Now, obviously, I know you're looking at that match first and foremost, but more broadly, and this is my final question for you, for your team to not only get back to where they were last season, and again, NCAA semifinals for those fans that don't remember, but you know, for your team to perhaps even take that next step this year, what do you want to see from them over these final few weeks of the season?
1: we got to play better i mean uh sure can we put it all together i i as good a season as we've had i don't think we have had that one match or that one period of time where everybody was going on the same day um it'd be nice if it happens (laughs) uh in the next uh 10 days or so um but look uh we have to get to the final weekend of the season and to do that we've got to get past cal so I hate cliches and all this coaches speak because it's, it's just garbage, right? It's called, (laughs) I don't have a better answer. I don't, um, I mean, I'm trying to keep them present. We've still got a few days that we can work. And, um, I think, look, I, I think there's nobody within the program that thinks we can't do it now. Yeah. Um, that's for sure. But it we're what are we a third of the way there if that
0: yeah say it's what six total wins right
1: yeah and the matches get more difficult Mm -hmm. as you move along and so yeah i mean look let's let's get let's let's get the whole team hopefully to champagne one way or another and um then let's still not talk about it.
0: (laughs) I like it. No, that works for me. Can I ask you one more non-NC State question? Because you're one of my favorite tennis observers, tennis minds that we get the chance to chat with here at Cracked Rackets. And I promise I'm not just buttering you up. That is a true statement. What do you make of the Alcaraz sensation? I'm like always so fascinated because, you know, I know you're maybe not as perhaps tied into what's happening on the ATP Pro Tour, but it does feel like there's just this buzz about him. And I'm curious if you've had the chance to watch him and what you think about this whole Alcaraz, you know, run.
1: i tell you what I do think about Alcaraz is his brother, his <laughs> boyfriend with both hands.
0: It's un- I'm sure uh, – do you think Kyle's already sent the email like, hello, Mr. and Mrs. Alcaraz, I'm Kyle Spencer. I don't think your son's going to need college, but if he does –
1: well, the good thing the good thing is now he could sign with an agent and that wouldn't affect him going to college <laughs>
0: exactly anyway.
1: yeah uh i mean like how is I mean, whether or not physically how incredibly is at this age mm-hmm. like his ability to play the right shots in the right moments is kind of crazy for somebody of, of that age i mean the thing now is, is is you just beat nadal and djokovic back to back mm-hmm. which is but can you do that over five sets yeah And I think that's been the, the biggest conundrum with these younger players trying to get through the free goats mm-hmm. is how do you manage that over best of five sets? And hey, we're gonna find out. And it's <laughs> it's you know, we've been waiting for this you know, this next gen.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, how many next gens are there going to be before <laughs> But I, I still think that Joker and Nadal, are gonna take some beating.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: you almost feel like uh, Joker's playing his way into shape. Yeah, and um, and Rafa's just sort of pacing himself uh-huh. somewhat. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it does look like this is the next one, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, he's just I, I, the physicality, as you brought up. It's just like, aren't you 19 years old and? The real scary thing, because nowadays when I look at tennis, this is what I wanted to ask, I don't look for strength. I look for, well, how can anyone attack you? And I like to think, you know, <laughs> I joke around that I'm a tennis mind of my generation. I don't know about that, but certainly I watch as, ten- as much tennis as anyone I do not see the weakness. Like, I'm trying to construct the, how do you attack Carlos Alcaraz? And you're like, all right, well, maybe go big body serve instead of giving him any angles out wide to work with and get his momentum into. But, like, you could say that about anyone. Like, attack his second serve. You say that about everyone. There is no definitive weakness, and that to me is the scariest part.
1: He's like he's like a hybrid of Rafa and then with a bit of Juan Carlos Ferrero and yeah. some Albert Costa thrown in and maybe some Brighera. I mean, he can he can hit that insane wide kick serve. Yes. That Costa and Ferrero used to get them way out there, but then he can just hammer the ball as well, <laughs> yeah. like Rafa, and he's got the movement and then the physicality and eesh,
0: <laughs> yeah, he's good.
1: I'm, I'm glad I don't have to play you know him. Yeah. Right? that would be. I, I would just. Yeah, I would. I would fake an injury in the warm up. Mm-hmm. It's a good job they still have a warm up, and then all right, that's good.
0: Yeah, I just need the email, the leak of like what the pitch was from Tony bresky to the Alcaraz parents. Like, I just because you know he sent the email, and like, you know, again, there's got to be an archive, like. Dear Mr. and Mrs. Djokovic, hi, this is coach Brian Boland wondering if your son Novak would like to come to Virginia. Like those are the those are the emails I need to see. Uh, those That's the stuff I'm looking for. But again, yeah, Carlos did not need college. He was ready. Why not try? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He, You're never going to recruit the players you don't offer. And so I agree with you there. But with all that said, obviously, I think all of us fans here of college tennis have enjoyed what you and the NC State program have offered to all of us over the course of these past few seasons and throughout your tenure, which is just a team that fights, a team that's on the rise. And you joked about it earlier, but you have raised the standard for what we expect and uh, what is possible out of Raleigh. So obviously, Coach Earnshaw, thank you for taking the time, as always, to chat with us today, hoping you and the team stay safe, stay healthy. And wishing you all luck as you take on Cal, not Georgia, Cal here this weekend in the Sweet 16. So, Coach, always a pleasure to get the chance to chat and good luck to you and the team.
1: All right. Cheers, Alex. And uh look forward to seeing you, Halle and maybe even your other co presenter. Uh, yeah. Whole team.
0: It's going to be Chris J. We'll all be there in person. So, yeah, you can. I, I'm very much looking forward to it in Champagne. And yeah, I will see you there no matter what.
1: I hope we can be there with the team for you to critique us. (laughs) (laughs) I
0: appreciate that. Well, Coach, as always, take care.
1: All right. Cheers. Bye.
0: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Hope all of you enjoyed my conversation with another head coach of a sweet 16-bound college tennis team. A huge thank you both to this coach and every coach for taking the time to chat with us here at Cracked Rackets. Again, trying to set the scene for all of you listeners down the 2022 college tennis season's home stretch. I've been immensely flattered by the reception we have gotten from all of these coaches who are so willing to participate in this exercise. And again, try to set the scene for all of you listeners try to make sure you maximize your enjoyment through these final few weeks of the college tennis season the plan here is to interview all 32 remaining head coaches now it's only a success if we hit all 32 so I promise you listeners that will be our goal as that is what we were able to accomplish last season again you can find all of those podcasts here on this feed you can find them on our website crackrackets.com a shout out as always to super producer Daniel Westhoff on the ones and twos he has a f- of a dining job to do this week makes all of this content possible so shout out to him shout out to our friends at swing vision as well again learn more about the swing vision app by clicking on the link in the description to this show with all of that said for our fantastic guest our super producer daniel westoff our friends at swing vision from all of us here at both cracked rackets and the tennis channel podcast network i'm your host alex gruskin you've been listening to another edition of the cracked interviews podcast stay safe stay healthy we'll talk to you all soon thanks everyone